0: I'll be reading out of a a core text here in Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. So if you would, would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? Paul, as he writes to the Ephesians, says this, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at the work in the sons of disobedience in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming age he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we Walk in them. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for who you are, your nature and character, your kindness towards us. In our deadness, Lord, you showed mercy. In our um, rejection of you, you showed grace and kindness. And you did so with a very expensive price to be paid the giving of your son. Lord, we just pray today that the word of God would result in our hearts and abound in us in the practice of faith. Lord, that we would live out the testimony of the gospel in our life and that we would keep our eyes up on the heavens. Help us in this message, help us in this day, and help us in this way. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You guys uh, can be seated. Okay, so I need to tell you We are going to go, like, really fast. And I do this because, um, well, moms, I don't have to explain. If you have a kid under five years old, you know why I'm going to go fast in here. Um, You need to know that I have uh, five younger siblings. I have two babies. We are foster parents. I grew up with just people running around my entire life. So if there's a toddler that crawls onto the stage, I'm just going to keep going. You are never going to going to bother me. We hope that in all the laughter and googies and goggies and cries and all, and all through it, we still uh, get something out of today's message. And today's message is called The Mechanics of Faith. It's an illustration in the practice of faith. Today's message is going to be an illustration. We'll talk about that here in a minute. Kids, there's candy involved. But it's a study in what the Bible do. i have a joke for you later. Um, It's a study of what the Bible means when it uses the word faith. We are so guilty, not only in this culture, but throughout all of time, of laying our interpretation on top of the text. In other words, we say, what does this word mean to me? As opposed to, what does this word mean to the original author? What was the intent of the writer? When we use the word faith, which is thrown around often today, We need to collect an understanding of what it means. And the defining practice of faith in our lives should be determined by the Word of God. That's a free Bible study tip right there for you. You can get a lot of work done in your Bible just by that trick alone. I want to turn back to the letter of Ephesians, chapter 2 and verse 10. And I just want to make some quick points as we set up what we're trying to talk about when we discuss the Word, the Word faith. Verse 2 tells us, when we start off, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. First point you need to know, you were dead. You know what dead people can't do? Yeah, yeah that's just, this is how my daughter said it. She says, nothing. She's in the bathroom with the doors locked. Honey, what are you doing? Nothing. That's what you do when you're dead. Amongst the list of the things you cannot do when you're dead is have faith. Faith in a risen God. We were dead in our sins. The second point that we need to know is that Christ made us alive. Verse 4, but God being rich in mercy, mercy, because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. And this was that last line there. This is a gift by grace. This was a gift for you. This is a call back to the resurrection. Can't you see it? That when Christ died for those who are in faith, who have received Christ, we died with him in the spirit. And when he resurrected, what happened to us also? We were were made alive as well. But here's the problem. I don't seem to recall being in any tomb or on any cross. It says that we now are seated in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. I don't know if this is by what the Lord had in mind when he said the heavenly places, the crossing church, which is great. Come to serve, I might add. I do appreciate that. How can we be both here and in the heavenly places? How could we in our life, I got saved when I was 19, be dead before that and alive now? It's like we're talking about zombies here. Could you imagine what kind of a homecoming date I would have been in my bedroom? it seems to be that there's a tension between two realities at the same time we are seated in the heavenly places we are here now we were dead but now we're alive this is the third point i want to make that paul is trying to reference to us as we lay our foundation set up the scene for what we talk about in the practice of faith it's that we are here in a reality but there is a spirit world that is clear in the scripture or a realm it is a reality not a hope and a wish and a dream we're not talking about hocus pocus here there is a truth that we cannot see that is just as real as anything we can experience and that is crucial to your understanding of how God functions because there is a kingdom to come but it is also here you see this in the word here Christ Jesus for good, oh, pardon me, uh, immeasurable, this is verse 7, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of grace in kindness towards us who are in Christ Jesus. Wait a minute, I thought we were already in Christ Jesus. There is a coming age that is here, but not yet. There is a heaven, a kingdom to come that is here, but not fully in reality. We are seated in the heavenly places right now because that's where Christ is right now in him. But are we there fully? No. Paul is making a point to us to begin to see with eyes things that we cannot feel, touch, or experience but are everly real. That's the point that he's trying to make today, that we are to lift our eyes to the heavens or what I'll reference as the age that is, but not yet. This age to come. Does that make sense? Just say yes. Okay, thank you. i got a time to keep here. The question is then, if that's our point, and that's what God wants from us, and he has saved us, why is it so hard? Why do we have so much tension? Why can't I just be this heavenly being who's here on earth? Because it's our nature to see isn't it so? We are creatures that depend more on sight than any other of our senses. Think about this. You go to the doctor. The doctor thinks he's sick. He wants to take a picture so he can see what's going on. You take your card to the mechanic. He lifts the hood and with grease on his face, he says, let's take a look. We are dependent upon our sight. It dictates every course of action we make. We internalize what's going on around us. We process decisions, and then we try to do the best we can to make a decision out of this reality. We are conditioned to be directed by what we can see. However, the Christian life is the opposite. It is about an assurance in God and what he says, regardless of what we can see in our current circumstances. This is faith. It's believing and seeing with spiritual eyes what we cannot see in reality. The Bible says it better. The Bible says it like this. This is Hebrews 11.1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. I love this as we just use our Bible study trick to let the author tell us what he's meaning rather than us lay our interpretation. Because he gives a description. He's defining it for us. And in that way, we can define what, what faith is not. Faith is not a hope in a dream. It's not some vague desire. Our faith is in a very real God who did a very real thing through his very real son, and it's working in reality very really. Is that a word? Is that a word? Our faith is not in something unsure or unsolid because we cannot see it does not mean it's not a reality does that make sense we can have a conviction in us to that effect if your faith isn't in the risen Christ you are gambling with your life that's what it is it's not faith, it's a bet you're betting on the future and it's a future you don't know of I'd like to say to you just in this moment here that if, if you are having through this short few minutes we've had together a redefinition of what your idea of faith is I just want to make a call to you that faith can be present to you here and now that God is ever working through the Spirit to bring those from the sons of disobedience from the life of death into life more abundance, and that if you trust in Him in the unseen way But truly, in your heart, salvation is apparent for you also. If that's a discussion you'd like to have with me after, I'm happy to do so. Okay. Faith in Jesus is what he really did. Okay, we understand that. Though we have not truly seen it. What he's talking about is that our faith in what God has done, we need to have the same faith, for what God is doing or has done, but we haven't seen yet. Does that make sense? There are things that are not historical but are still a reality. though they have not done, they haven't not happened yet. Because God cannot lie. And God wrote his word. And so his promises are true. Okay. This is like a purpose statement. If you ask me, okay, what are you trying to get at, Beck? This is what I mean here. I don't know what the underlines mean. I just got carried away. Just real weird. Okay. Faith is the practice. It is a practice of keeping our eyes, our spiritual eyes, on the age to come. On the now, but not yet. While we are in presently this current age, Genesis 3 world we live in. And we do this practice until everyone testifies to the same day. Beloved, trust in me. There is coming a day. When every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, when the hidden things will be made known, and the things in the spirit realm will be made clear as, as you and I are sitting in this room. But our faith is a practice until it is known by all. Okay, so you have a picture of the circumstance. Our faith is this unseen tension. We struggle because we are people of sight. And I want to talk about aspects of how we practice our faith. And I'm, this is the illustration. I want to do it in four ways, okay? Believing is seeing, seeing the battle, seeing the finish, and the victory of testimony. Okay, let's jump into it. I need a volunteer. I need any kid in the whole church to be to. I want any, anybody, anybody, at, wait a minute. Where's Solomon? Solomon, come here. I need some help. Oh, this is Solomon, everybody. Can you give him a round of applause? Come on up, bud. Okay, Solomon, you're going to help me today, okay? How old are you? Eight. You're like easily in the top 108-year-olds that I know. I like you a lot. Here's what we're going to do. Solomon, you are going to walk by faith towards a very significant prize that is in this room for you, okay? Now, for the illustration, I'm going to be the Word of God. That's not true, but for the illustration, okay? Don't listen to me all the time. Read your Bible. What you're going to do is you're going to trust that what I say to you is absolutely certain to happen. Does that make sense? You ready? Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to guide you all the way through. I want you to go and stand down this aisle, but kind of halfway through. I just, I don't know. I don't like you guys as much. I just, I just chose this side for that reason. Okay. We're going to jump into this. The first point... Believing is seeing. We live in a world that is the reverse, isn't it? Seeing is believing. And in Christ, we see the the understanding of our reality flip on its head. Because we are brought faith. Listen, the scripture says that we are saved by grace through faith. But in your deadness, did you have the faith to do anything anyway? The grace of God comes completely to us. And one of the parts or the pieces of grace is the faith to believe in this perfect and awesome God. It is not seeing as believing. In other words, believing by the grace of God who in our deadness raised us up. We see him in our, li- in our life and we have immediately this faith to believe. This is the point I want to make. When we have our faith to believe, what then do we do? Namely, we begin to see what he's doing through his word. When faith is given to us as a gift, we begin to see reality in a new way. Specifically, this old dusty book starts to come to life. Does it not? There's understanding and, dare I say, revelation inside of it that brings you to a new level of understanding. So let's, let's play this out. Solomon, pretend to be dead right now. Go look at him in his deadness the word of god comes to solomon now solomon is alive good solomon i have a a present for you a promise okay now currently in your hands do you have the promise that i'm giving you holding it in your hand no but because i can't lie remember this is an example i can't lie and I told you that this is happening. Do you have it in faith? Yes. You're very good at this. The answer is in faith. The first point of believing and seeing is that we have to believe in the right thing. That is the Son of God. That is the work of God through the Word. And the working of God in the Spirit. I want to just bring you this quick text here. and just stay right there. Don't move. Mark um, 4.12 says this. He replied, as he's talking about a parable that they didn't understand. The mystery of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those outside, everything is expressed in parables, so that they may ever be seeing, but not perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. There are men and women, maybe even in this congregation, who read the Word of God, who study the Word of God, who go to church, who do the external, visual things of practice of faith, but they have not placed their faith in a true and risen God. Beloved, there is a difference. You cannot fake it till you make it here. Seeing is not just assumption of believing. We must have this grace come to us in a real and abundant way. Okay, Solomon, you ready to go? Solomon, I want you to make your way up here. Look at you trusting the word of God. Just walking through your life. Very good. Now, as a quick side point here, imagine if the word of God had not come to Solomon and he's trying to find treasure. Where would you start? You would be guessing, betting, using your own visual intellect to understand. You see the way of this world? But now we have direction by our faith in the word. Okay, so come and stand here. Other kids, you guys want some candy? If you want candy, come to the front of the room. Now, parents, I know that we are, we don't do, you know, if we're Christians, you don't eat gluten or nuts or dairy or or whatever else. Okay, get on the floor, you bunch of humans. Get down here. Chick, what are you doing? Now, Solomon, you stand right here. Come down here. This is not your reward. I don't want you to get any of this candy. Okay, look. This could get super dangerous. Okay, look. Look as the world gives out the distraction that can come of our eyes. This is a distraction of a whole different kind. The distraction that comes of our eyes. When Solomon is seeing what he may desire or a promise given to him that he has but not yet. And now, oh, you too, that he has, but not yet. Ha, stop, stop real quick, this is why, Solomon, is this distracting? Do you? Would you like to just put your hand in this bag? Here comes the temptation of our eyes. Where our spiritual life gets distracted by all that's happening in the world, and our eyes get drawn, even for just a moment, into the success of this age. Does that make sense? Okay, did I, this is not, this is, this is the most communistic thing I've ever done. Okay, here, hand them out equally amongst yourselves. Will you help me? Okay, okay, go down. Make sure this little one gets some. Yeah, share your candy, everybody gets some before you go away. So Solomon, you stay here. You guys go back to your seats and we'll get out more candy later. I'll make sure you get some, huh? Okay. So what's the point? We must believe in the battle. Did you see the tension that displayed between? <laughs> Margo, you have cheese. That's much better. <laughs> Do you see the tension that displays itself? In the war and the battle that goes on? This is the point I want to make. You doing okay? Just stay right there. Look at you. Colossians 3, 1 through 4 says this. If then you have been raised with Christ Jesus, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind, or spiritual life, on the things that are above, not on the things of this earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden within Christ God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you appear with him in glory. This is referring to the heavens, specifically heavenly rewards. Did you know that there's rewards in heaven? And they're given to us on our faith, based on our faith. On a seeing of the unseen, on believing on the now but not yet. And in the midst of this idea for rewards that come in heaven, we have the distraction of this world. It's funny when it's just candy. But I'm telling you, as a pastor, it's an entirely different story when people get muted and twisted ideas of marriage and divorce. When when the, when the temptation of this world comes in the form of financial gain at loss of personal character, When you look around and you see the world of science and the social environment that we live in, laughing at the state of the church. And you wonder to yourself, is this legit? You see how our eyes get drawn down? We get distracted. Maybe the best illustration is a bunch of kids surrounding around you when you're trying to preach and they're asking for candy. You're just trying to be focused. It's harder than you think. Faith is an encouragement to us to keep our eyes in the heavens or on the age that is, but not yet. So that when you are when you are living your life, you do not get distracted by the circumstances of the day because you are convinced of the things in the heavenly realms. This is why we need community. This is why we need people who are also casting their eyes up. This is why we need you to be in life group, loving each other, exhorting each other, saying, man, I think you've been distracted. I think your eyes are casting downward because there is a heavenly reward. Now, Jesus talks about this as well. And he says this in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where the thieves break in and steal. But listen to this. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. When either moth nor dust or rust or thieves break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. He's talking about the rewards of faith. The rewards not of this present life, but of a life to come. The second aspect of, of faith, the practice or, or mechanics of faith, after we trust in the word, we must let faith determine what gets a vote in our life? Is your present worldly circumstance getting a vote in your spiritual life? Is your identity being determined by what you have? That's an indication you're losing the battle, friend. What's the answer? Brother or sister, cast your eyes up to the heavenly places. See what is unseen in the age that is, but is not yet. See what you've inherited in Christ Jesus. Keeping our eyes on the eternal. Okay, that was a tough battle. But you made it because you kept your eyes up on me. You see why God made me so tall? That's the whole purpose of this whole thing, right? And this illustration. So here you are trusting in the word of God. I want you to come and stand right here. And do you know if you're closer or farther away from the gift. You have no idea. But you're trusting, right? You've been walking through your life. Look how far you've come. Like 94 feet. It's great. This is the person that we would call. Oh, there it is. Seeing the finish. I'll read this to you. This is Paul speaking to uh, Timothy, encouraging him in his faith. For the time is coming when people will endure will not endure sound teaching, but having an itching in their ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, for sure. And they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, be sober-minded, enduring suffering, through the work of an evangelist, fulfill your, your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and in the time of my departure has come, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. which the Lord, a righteous judge, will award to me on that day? Paul is is, 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 is talking to Timothy. He's old. He knows the near end is near. But is he done? Did he go and die in the next moment? That's not true. Paul's eye of faith is so deliberately on what God is doing in the spirit realm, he's saying, I'm already there, but my work is not done, or he wouldn't have finished the letter, but there is still a ministry work to be done, even when he feels like he's already finished, he has kept the faith, and he's finished the race, but he is not done, this is the idea of spiritual eyes. Keeping the heavenly rewards. Think about what's given to you as a Christian. We know about salvation. But beloved, it doesn't stop there. Ephesians 1 alone says, We're blessed in, in heaven with every spiritual blessing. Presided over or predestined to us. We're given an adoption. He provides on us and in us and we in him. We have an inheritance of immeasurable riches in Christ Jesus. It's like a laundry list of what we would receive in Ephesians chapter 1. Listen, I believe that we define our Christianity too often in this age. This is my opinion. By what we don't do. Sure, the scripture is clear in saying we need to stay away from stuff that isn't good. And that could help us define who we are. But we're people that don't drink, we don't cuss, we don't eat gluten, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't. don't. I'm a Christian, I don't, I don't, I don't. I'm a Christian, and so I can. Let's be Christians because of what we have in Christ. Let's be Christians because of what we received on the cross and in resurrection. Paul is not making a list of what we cannot do. That's a repetition of the law. He's saying don't do these things because there is a better way. Don't you see the finish? There's word. Be around community. Don't l- d- get your eyes down into the world. And endure. Because there is a finish. And it is in the already here, but not yet. Here's the biggest problem we see um, as pastors in the Christian community, in my opinion. Brother, you are mere feet away from, from this victory, from this promise. Here. So often in life, I'm ministering some couple or some situation, and they've endured so far. They've casted their eyes from the muck of this world into the heavens, and they're trying, and they're, they're warring, and they're battling, and they're overcoming, and maybe they're learning to trust each other again, or maybe they're they're, they're challenging themselves in an addiction, or whatever. They're, they're laying themselves on dependence upon God, under the cross, and they're doing so good, but it's a hard fight. And they get this far away from the back of the room, from the, from the edge of their life, only to be exhausted, to cast their eyes down again, and to walk out the long way. Listen, friend, your faith has never given up. Your faith has never proven to be untrue. Every account where that happens is a failure on our end. Either wrong expectation, we're giving up. I'm walking out the long way. So when we are here, and it's at the hardest point, it's at the top of Golgotha, right before the cross is to be put in, this is when our eyes need to be in heaven the most. We need to see the finish. So we're there. We're not quite there yet. Does that make sense? Solomon, reach over that counter there, or the steps, just over the baptism. I don't know if you can reach. Can you see? (laughs) Come over here. the third aspect of the mechanics of faith is casting your eyes towards finishing well. For the prize is greater than anything the world can offer. Solomon, would you rather have one sucker or that entire bag of candy? And this is where the illustration breaks down, isn't it? Because what God is offering us is far greater. It's limitless. It doesn't have containment like, like a bag. Now, Solomon, I have one last question, and then you can go sit down and dig in. We're almost done here. God woke you up from your deadness. Very good deadness, by the way. You walked by faith in accordance with God's word, trusting in the word of God, not what you saw around you, even though at times it was hard, right? And at the end, when you had been long-suffering, believing in something that wasn't quite there, when you received it, you were working really hard in faith, you received it. Here's my question for you. Did you do this? Or did God do this? You're well-trained yes. <laughs> That's right. Go ahead and sit down. See, our temptation... We're almost done here. Our temptation, folks, is to use faith as a means to our own exaltation. It's to use... Use our faith or believing in a promise to get something that we just wanted. It is true. God will conform us, regenerate us, and give us the desires that are transformed in our own heart. And they are good and right. Rewards in heaven are good. But on that day in glory, or in that moment, we're just struggling with right now, where God does something that he has promised to you, and like a miracle. When that happens, do we have the right to testify to ourselves is the victory ours, right? And maybe that's the point of faith, isn't it? That we would, as 1 John says, 5, 1-5, everyone who believes in Christ Jesus would have been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father who loves who has been born of Him. By this we know that we, the children of God, when we love God and obey His commands, for this, for this is the love of God that we keep His commands. His commandments are not burdensome, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. My faith is not in what I can do. My faith serves as a testimony that I could testify one day to what Christ has done in our lives. That I was dead, that I was seen by revelation that I was surrounded with a community that encouraged my faith, and that I would not let the world get a vote. And when I experience the promise in whatever way, shape, or form that exists, my testimony is of the victory of God. I testify to His love and His grace and His working in my life. I don't know if that's helpful for you, I'm a visual guy. Kids, I hope that was fun for you as well. But there is a practice to our life in faith. And it is lived out in the unseen world. I want to pray. There it is. But I want to pray the prayer um, that Paul gave to his church, or to the church of Ephesus when he wrote the letter. And I think this is an encouraging conclusion to what we're talking about here today. Let's bow our heads. what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with joy, filled with all the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we could ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.